Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. You can go ahead and grab, grab your seat, man. Today is such a good day. Such a good day. Number one is God is good, and he's the, one that, he's the one that made it. Amen. It's also good just because we get to be in church together this morning. Today's special because we're, we're together in, in one service as a church family. It's also extra special because we have evangelist Tim Hall and his, his wife Jackie with us this morning. Just, just a special day. Have, have a great man of God with us. If you haven't been with us these last couple of days, these last couple of days really have been genuinely amazing times in the presence of God. I don't know how many people have, have received healing in their body. I know a lot of people give testimonies of how God has healed their bodies. We've had people give their hearts to Jesus. People rededicate their lives to following Jesus. People being uh, receiving words from the Lord, being touched by the, the presence of God and the Spirit of God. You could almost describe it could almost say it's like we're making unusual spiritual progress, amen? But that's what's happening. Just in these last couple of days, we are making unusual spiritual progress. It's happening. It's happening. So if you weren't with us these last couple of days, and maybe you're not familiar with evangelist Tim Hall, he is genuinely a general in the faith, a great man of God. And I'm saying that not to, not to try to flatter. I'm saying that to try to be accurate and let you know just how blessed we are and what an honor it is to have he and his wife with us this morning. He's traveled the world, literally traveled the world, preaching the gospel. He's spoken in crusades to over 100,000 people. Just a great, great man of God. He's a gift. He is a, he's a gift, and that's not my. That's how the Bible describes him in Ephesians chapter four. That he is a gift to us as as the church, and so from Australia, would you give a warm welcome? Welcome him as the gift that he is this morning. As evangelist Tim Hall comes to ministry. Thank you, Reverend. Well, hallelujah. Oh, take a seat, folks. I was up the back, and uh, there's a fellow at the back. He said, so good to see a guy with gray hair preaching. <laughs> an old fella. An old Aussie. Hey, what's this snow business? Spring. Strange, all right. We had snow in California. God's going to do something this morning. He's been doing something in every meeting. It is fantastic to be here in West Virginia. Is that what you call it, West Virginia? As I shared the other night, how many of you haven't been in a meeting yet? This is your first time. Oh, shame on you. Well, anyway, no, that's all right. No, good to have you. Good to have you. That's most people have been here. Who has been here? Oh, come on. Oh, well, I can't repeat myself. We are from Melbourne. We call it Melbourne. M-E-L-B-U-N. Melbourne, Australia. 
That's Jackie. Stand up, Jackie. That's my wife, Jacqueline. I know. For those that know Planet Shakers, she's Samantha Evans' mother, my wife, and uh, your guest here. And then next to her is Mackenzie. She's our PA. Stand up, Mac. She's in America for the first time. She's been praying for snow and she gets what she wants. And, uh, and there's Felici, the name means happy. And he is a very happy man. Stand up, Felici. And uh, I'm just uh, an evangelist, been around for a lot of years, 48 years. When you've been around a long time, people sort of think, oh, the old fella must know something if he's hung around that long and survived the ministry for 48 years. And um, it's been a ride, I'll tell you. Being in the ministry, don't go near it unless you're called. And don't go looking for it. Go after Jesus with all your heart and the ministry will come after you and grab you and take your places that... We've been everywhere, Jack, haven't we? We have been to the craziest places. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, I'm moving on. little signal there. Get on with it, Tim. Don't waffle. Stop waffling. Thank you, Pastor. Really enjoying pastors. Loving you guys. Got a great church. You're great people. And uh, Pastor Luke... Yeah, they are. They're outstanding. <laughs> Pastor Luke's been asking me, I've got a list of little, when are you coming to the US? Any chance you could drop up to West Virginia? Love to have you. I've got a few messages. Finally, we felt the Lord say, come and, and uh, here he is. <laughs> we done make it right on down. We've been to some crazy places. We are in New Orleans last week. That's a lot of fun. That's a different place. New Orleans. Crawfish, etouffee, gumbo. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10 and see where it leads us this morning. I know where it's going to take us. It'll be knowing when to stop. Father, would you anoint your word this morning? Let it be with power. Let it be with rich anointing. I pray you use me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Father. Oh, I sense your presence, Lord. Sense your presence. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 reads like this. I love 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul really lays out, he goes on the defense. And um, I do enjoy the scripture when it starts to get heated up. I love the book of John. Some people say to new Christians, read the book of John, I go, Go to Luke. Luke's nice and pleasant. Matthew, Mark. John, just, he gets, he, there's these great challenges between Jesus and the Pharisees. It's great reading for a brand new Christian. And uh, 2 Corinthians 10, Paul's up against all these characters who are pulling apart everything that he's done. 
and they're saying, you're not much of an apostle, you're this and you're that and, and uh, you just talk big by letter but you, you know, you're not that impressive and you're not really an apostle and you're this and you're that and, they, and he stands up for himself and he says this, he says, though we walk in the flesh, be very careful because we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, he said, not natural. You're dealing with a loaded gun. For the weapons of our warfare are not natural, they're not carnal, but they are mighty, supernatural, supernaturally empowered through God to the demolition of fortresses, to the pulling down with violence, if you like to the extinction, pulling down even unto extinction of strongholds. He says, we are destroying, the Amplified says, we are destroying speculations and reasonings and every lofty thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And we're bringing every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. It's a very powerful piece of scripture and very apt for this hour we live in. Paul says, Though we walk in the flesh, Paul's walking around in a physical body. But he says, even though we walk in a physical body, we're not making war in a natural way. He said, we are involved in a warfare, whether we understand it or not. A lot of Christians don't understand it, but we are every day in a warfare and it's supernatural. It's out of hell Satan has one aim and that's to bring you down. He's the anointed cherub that guards. That's what he was before he fell. He was the guardian of really the anointing. He was beautiful in so many ways, reflecting the glory of God until pride was found in him when he was cast down. And now he despises the anointing. He hates it because he knows he can't have it. When you want to carry the anointing and be a person living in the supernatural of God, He will do everything to try to stop you. In the ministry, I've just watched friends of mine back in Australia going through sheer hell. A few big churches over there, dear friends of mine that have, life's just a disaster right now. Churches that have crashed down to about half their size. Pastors that have been hammered so badly. One friend in England lost his church because of Black Lives Matter that really all lives matter. And our church got hammered and we got every nationality under the sun. And we all live in harmony. And we don't even see colour anymore. We don't see it. But he had some people rise up and he lost his church, series of churches. He's back in Australia. And we've watched through COVID mind wars. And we're in the middle of a mind war. It's a fight for the mind of every person in this place. Satan knows if he can get your mind, he's got you. 
and he aims for it. The greatest battle that you fight is not on a big battleground, it's a small battleground of about eight inches between your ears. And that's my biggest struggle, it's between my ears. It's not with people. It's a battle for the mind. The Apostle Paul said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We're in a war. He says, for the weapons of our campaign, our stratomia, our campaign, our military campaign, the weapons of our campaign, they're not carnal. We're in a war, but we're not going in there unequipped. And too many Christians don't even realise they're in a war and they're unequipped and they're a target. As an Air Force base in the United States had a big sign, an untrained soldier is just a target. And a Christian that is not training their mind and their spirit and not understanding where they're at, just a target. Target to be picked off and brought down so easily. So easily. Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, we're not warring after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare, not natural, but divinely powerful, mighty, dunatos, supernaturally powerful, full of divine ability, miraculously empowered through God to the pulling down. An understanding of the word to pull down means to demolish to demolish with violence, even to a place of extinction. And what does he say that the, these, these strongholds are? What is a stronghold? What is actually a stronghold? A stronghold is something built either, either to keep people in or to keep them out. A prison is built to keep people in. We started our meetings in America in Folsom, Kept thinking of Johnny Cash down there. Gone to falls in prison. <laughs> Started there. The old falls in prison still there. That was built to keep people in. If you've ever been to San Francisco and gone out to the old prison island out there, Alcatraz, you realise that they were well and truly, that place was established to keep you in. It, it was... It was absolutely locked down, barred down. If you got away, you'd be carried by the tide, freeze to death or get taken by a shark. Um, that was built to keep people in. And the devil builds walls to keep people in. And there are other walls that are built. Ancient Babylon had walls that were, it's told by Herodotus and Philo and a few of the other old writers that the walls could have been 200 feet high. That's 20 stories and running for 56 miles. Wide enough. Some say 50 to 60 feet wide. Others say the width of those walls was 80 feet, enough to race chariots around those walls, impenetrable. The only way Cyrus got in was to move the river and come in. It's all there in the book of Daniel. Impenetrable to keep people out. The great castles of Europe. Apparently there are more 
castles in Germany than McDonald's in America. I don't know if that's true or not. I heard that quoted. And you can quote stuff and no one checks up anyway, but I heard it was something like that. I found it hard to believe. There's McDonald's everywhere here. We call them Maccas in Australia. We say, go on to Maccas. All together, go on to Maccas. Go on to Maccas. Get a Big Mac, Maccas. McDonald loves it. Mackenzie loves McDonald's. As we call her Mac. We read here that the weapons of our warfare are mighty to the demolition of strongholds. Then Paul says, I'll tell you what the strongholds are. He goes on, he says, we are destroying. Let's have a look. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the casting down, pulling down, demolishing strongholds. says, we are casting down arguments. The Amplified says speculations, reasonings, the Greek word logismos, logic. We have a world that speaks a certain logic, but it's not the word of God. It sounds right, but it's not the word of God. It all comes from the fact we live in a humanistic world, a world that is exalting man and ultimately has a plan to put a man on the throne and through science and everything else to say man is God and, and uh, bring into place the ultimate abomination when a man will sit on the throne that it belongs to Jesus and declare he is God and the Father will not be pleased at that point and it will uh, preempt the greatest time on this planet of uh, pain and judgment that has ever been seen. But man through science and through artificial intelligence that's coming is gonna change the world. The stuff now with artificial intelligence from what I've seen of it and the little I know from people I've talked to that are involved in that area, they said, Tim, it is scary where things are going to go. Man thinks he's God. Man thinks that science is God. Um, Man thinks that time plus matter, space, matter and time Produce this incredible world. And so, well, there's enough time, no matter how much time, space, matter, and time never produces anything without intelligence. But man doesn't want God. Most people don't want God and they're producing a world that is a world with a mentality that says there is no God. Man's done this, man's doing this, it's all happening. Science has done it, this and so on. And we are in a world right now where the mind is assaulted from the time kids are small, from the time parents leave them sitting in front of the television watching stuff that right from the beginning is already beginning to manipulate their mind in a certain direction and subtly and uh, using subliminal suggestion and every other foul thing. Minds are being manipulated to ultimately bring together a world that just has one mind No history, no identity, just a great big melting pot of numbers controlled by a whole lot of people who are very close now to having a confrontation with Jesus, which will not be good for them. Not be good. But the strongholds that are being built are strongholds in the mind. 
And most Christians, or people that call themselves Christians, are carried along with everything the media tells us, with everything that Hollywood tells us. Who owns the media? Who owns Hollywood? Who owns the music industry? What's happening to our world? I'm finding more and more that I feel so much more an alien on this planet. A total alien. My love for the world has really shaded and gone. I do love being in this world. I love the Australian bush. I love people. But the world system is so twisted. And we have seen, Jackie and I had a prophetic understanding from the book of Ezekiel, the prophecy that the wall's been opened and Ezekiel was taken through the wall to see the corruption. And we have seen an exposure. The devil has made a very big mistake. A very big mistake to show his hand too early. Because I want to tell you something, God's got his hand yet to be played. In America, in America, it looks like doom and gloom if you really think about a lot of stuff, but God hasn't played his hand yet. The body of Christ in this country is still strong. The Christians in this country are starting to realise that we're going to stand up. This country's standing up. There's a whole lot of Christians that's saying, no, I don't think it's going to go the way you, you say, devil. Everything points to it, but, but God, but God, but God, there's a revival coming. In Wales, Wales, I shared the other night, was in so much disastrous state till Evan Roberts, a young man of 13, began to pray. And he and his brother prayed and prayed and prayed into their 20s and many of them prayed. And I think I shared this the other, other day, but I'll share it again. Evan Roberts, his brother, saw him shaking and trembling under the hand of God. So what happened? I've been to, taken to the Mount of Transfiguration. We're going to have revival. And then he had another visitation. I think I shared the details. And he said, it's going to happen. And when it broke out, 70,000 people came to Christ in the first month. And the whole nation, the whole nation was gripped. International football matches closed down because no one was there. They were all in revival meetings. In the mines, the miners would come out singing in the mornings and they would be singing and worshipping God. And the animals underground didn't quite know what to do anymore because the language had all cleaned up and changed. So they had confused animals down in the mines wondering, huh? where's all those expletives? And then in Los Angeles, a one-eyed black man by the name of Daddy Seymour, William J, was over in Texas. While he was in Texas, he was in a, a Bible college, the guy called Fox Parham. He heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but didn't have it. Got a call to 
California, kicked out of the church where he was because he spoke on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which he hadn't received. And so he went to prayer five hours a day, day after day after day after day, seeking God, seeking God for something to happen, something major. And all across America now, there are people who are beginning to understand that token prayer is an insult to God that we are actually throne room preachers. We're invited to go into the throne room and transact business. And when we understand that we can get away with God and not just pray, but get into the throne room with the God of eternity and, and talk about the major things that He wants to do on the earth and how we can be part of them and how we can have an impact to see whole nations swept with the glory of God, how we can actually go up into the throne room of God and while we're up in that throne room with Him, the very place where the Father turned to the Son and said, let us make a universe Turn to the Holy Spirit and said, the day of Pentecost has fully come. Go back down now, the church is gonna be born. And the Lord says, come up here. You're already there. Seated with Him in heavenly places, far above all rule, principality and dominion. We're told that in Ephesians 2. And He says, come up and transact business with me because I wanna do something that I want to do something with you and through you. Come up, not just a token bit of prayer, five minutes a day. Come and spend hours. Come away with me. Come and lock yourself away for days and don't come out until something's broken out. There's a young man in this country, wasn't that young, a guy called Tommy Hicks. Tommy Hicks travelling around the country preaching the gospel but he was frustrated. Every preacher needs to be frustrated. Frustration's a gift from God. Frustration. It either brings you down or pushes you. Disappointment's a gift if you handle it right. Failure can be a blessing if you handle it right. It's whether you let it bring you down or drive you into the secret place. When everything seems to fall apart around you, the best place to go is into that secret place. And God spoke to Tommy Hicks. He had a dream and he saw the whole of South America like a great wheat field. And he saw a sickle put into his hand and he saw himself reaping that nation. And he went to church that night and the pastor's wife came and said, Tommy, God showed me something. He showed me South America like a great wheat field. And you going in with a sickle, Tommy broke down. He said, God, what do I do? And he went and fasted 40 days, waited on God. God's calling his church back into fasting and prayer. He's calling, calling his church back into that place where we humble ourselves and press into God and, and forget about stuff and forget about all the nonsense that's around us and lock in. We're, we are so sidetracked by the nonsense. Our kids are so sidetracked by so much stuff and as adults, everything to stop us getting into that place where the satisfaction of the glory and the power of God begins to engulf us. Tommy Hicks fasted 40 days and at the end of 40 days he didn't have what he wanted 
And he went again when he was strong enough and fasted another 40 days. And he finished up three times fasting 40 days, waiting on God. There's something about extended times of fasting and prayer alone with God that put down the the wells, dig the ditches to hold the water. Too many people today in ministry are looking for methods, following patterns, instead of going to the secret place and getting God's pattern. Tommy Hicks on his last fast, God spoke to him and said, Tommy, sell everything. Cancel everything and fly to Argentina. And he got on the plane and flying down, all he knew was he had a mandate. And God spoke to him on the plane and he said, I want you to speak to Mr. Perron. He asked the air hostess. I don't think you can call him that now. He called an air hostess, steward, them, what, who, how. I don't know which pronoun to use. I could be in jail for not using the right pronoun. They might lock me up. Oh God, what a day we live in. People don't know what they are. Who are you? I'm a them. Well, who? Who's on first? What's on second? (laughs) Uh, I don't know who's on third. It's for the old people here. Abbott and Costello. Who are they? Google it. That's when comedy was real. He said to the lady, who's Mr. Perron? She said, that serves the president of our nation. So he got to the government and said, I have to speak to Mr. Perron. And they laughed at him. You had to have writing 40 days before just to hold a Christian meeting. But he had a mandate. He had something that, had, that he had taken hold of in the secret place. The biggest problem is that most Christians will live their life out, rarely if ever, going into the secret place to find out why they're here. Going through the motions instead of finding the purpose. They laughed him off, mocked him, said, fill the forms out. We've got a whole bunch of forms, wait six weeks. And a man walked in with a club foot, a foot that was all twisted, a leg that was deformed. He called him over and he said, bring that man he laid hands and the power of God went through that man's body and his feet went straight in front of all these guys. One hour later, he was in front of Mr. Perron. You've all, ever all heard the song of Vita, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina? That's, that's his wife. He stood before Perron and Mr. Perron said, why have you come to my country? He said, I've got a mandate from God. Got a mandate from heaven for you. And he said, I have psoriasis around my body, all over my chest and so on. I have psoriasis. Can this Jesus heal me? And he laid his hands on the president and his skin became like a baby's. And he called the leading newspaper men of the country in. 
and the radio people. And he sat them down and said, anything he wants to do in this country, he can do. What stadium do you want? Where do you want to preach? And he began to preach to the biggest crowds recorded in the history of the Christian church. They had to run trucks and tractor trailers in to take away the sticks and crutches and wheelchairs that were discarded on every side. It was estimated in a short space of time that somewhere approaching a million people came into the kingdom of God. And today, if you go to South America, there are just the Assembly of God denomination alone. There's more signs around the place for the Assemblies of God churches than there are for Coca-Cola around the place. Multitudes in the kingdom of God because one man wanted a breakthrough in a nation that was closed. God says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are divinely powerful. We have the weapons of prayer, of fasting, of declaration, passionately seeking God. And out of them come the the sharp weapons of healing and miracles and the word of knowledge flowing. What's happening to America? What's happening to the Western world? 1923, we know that ever since the fall of Satan, his aim has been world rulership. We know that there have been great wealthy people on this earth that want to run the place. I mean, one family alone, their worth is 10 times your national debt. The national debt of the United States is around 100 trillion, I believe. And that's the equivalent of taking $100 notes and stacking them up right to the planet Uranus. That's the debt. Who's it owned to? Well, some. Some is. Anyway, let's not go there too far. Those would go off on a rabbit track. In 1923, after the First World War, the thing that's opened up the world right now, of course, is the internet, Facebook, and Twitter, Twitface. (laughs) Instant Twitface. Oh, I'm on Instagram. So far, I've had 30-odd fakes. <laughs> you get fakes ringing people up to get money well, contacting people. Dear beloved, I have thought about you. Please send 10 grand over to our, 10 grand over to our orphanage in Somalia or something and, and give a nice uh, Nigerian phone number. And there's people stupid enough. The world's been changed now. Social media has just changed the world. It's made the world absolutely able to be totally manipulated. Unlike any age before. Technology's opened up the way for the Antichrist to really make his moves. In 1923, a group of disillusioned Marxists got together in Frankfurt, Germany, And they said, we can't bring about utopia and this wonderful communist society 
where everybody's going to be happy and own nothing. We can't do it by economics. We'll have to do it by culture. And they said, we'll take the minority groups, we'll make them the heroes. The person that just wants to work honestly, get their life together and their family, they'll become the enemy. And the Christians especially. And we will deconstruct all the values of the Western world, particularly Christianity, and usher in through culture. A situation that just leads to this communist utopia. Man, they've been successful. The whole hippie movement. The big voice of the hippie movement was a guy called Herbert Marcuse, one of the guys from 1923. The term, make love not war, Herbert Marcuse. Adorno, one of their guys, one of the biggest influences on using and manipulation through music. Stuff that happened in California, I'm not going to go into all the details, but stuff that happened in Laurel Canyon, the distribution of drugs, and there's a whole lot of mysterious stuff that went on with the bands there and how it led to the hippies. And the Beatles, who I loved dearly, all their music, probably used of God to shape the minds of a generation away from God more than any group of people in history. I still like their music, but the early stuff it got pretty weird towards the end. They just took people on a magical mystery tour into Eastern philosophy. And then we had Alistair Crowley, of course, making his statements, the greatest occultist in the world, who began to manoeuvre the minds of the bands and uh, his statement as this Satanist who wanted to be the devil's right hand man he came up with his theme do what thou wilt which we of course changed to do your own thing and movies like Easy Rider and everything else and the culture of America changed in the 60s Change. We did have the Jesus revolution, but now we have a culture that is so controlled in the mind that it is going to need the rising up of Christians, nominal, nice Christianity, like a snowflake coming out down out there. Nice, nice is a good word, but it's the time now for a holy, this is where the gentleness of the lamb and the brutality of the lion in the realm of the spirit. We are up against a merciless foe who has every intention of taking America into the darkest place imaginable. There's a whole lot of people that God's stirring and saying, 
the weapons of your warfare, not natural, divinely powerful through God to the absolute pulling down of strongholds. We are pulling down strongholds of the mind. Mind strongholds, the people out there that hate certain individuals, but they don't know why. There's people out there that have a mindset that so strong in certain directions and the only reason why is because the media's pumped these things, many things, so much that eventually peer pressure and people are really scared to think for themselves. So wrapped up in climate change and climate's definitely changing. I don't think it's anything to do with having to put a diaper on cows. <laughs> I mean, imagine going to a farm and every animal out there has got a diaper on. Who, who has to go around changing them and powdering the animals? So mind boggles. But God is anointing us for action. God is anointing his church for revival. God is anointing his church to break through in the supernatural. He, we've seen moves of God. Oh, I've got to read a scripture to you. Not only are we equipped with weapons, but I love what the Lord said back in Jeremiah 51. And I felt like he spoke this to me one day and I'm gonna tell you this is what he wants for you. He said, you are my Balax. Someone called my mother-in-law that once and I just had to go and sort that out. <laughs> you are my Balax and weapons of war. For with thee, I will break in pieces the nations. And with thee, I will destroy kingdoms. I thought, God, what's so good about a battle axe? What about a sword? What about a sword? What does a battle axe do? If you go to Scotland, how many have been to Scotland? Anyone here from Scotland? Oh, it's a great place. I'll be totally honest with you. It's a wonderful old place. Eh? <laughs> Anyone see the movie Braveheart? Great historically. It's a good movie. Uh, Mel's a good bloke. He's, he's an Australian. Born in America, but we adopted him. It's an interesting film. The three battles, three big battles. First one was at Stirling Bridge. And in the movie, they had the heavy cavalry charging and all the stuff. In actual fact, they just set the bridge up so that when they were coming over, the bridge collapsed and the Welsh came over and they killed the Welsh and William Wallace killed the leader of the uh, English army that came across and scunned him, had him scunned and wrapped his skin right around the belt. So it wasn't as nice as you'd think, William Wallace. The second battle they lost at Falkirk. And so if you go to... to um, First battle, you'll find there's a big 
memorial that you climb up these stairs that have got no rail. And if you've got a knee that's not so good, you just don't go and see the sword, the seven-foot sword up there. And people go there. At Falkirk, they lost. It's just all overgrown with weeds. And there's a little plaque there that says, oh, we lost that. <laughs> but then you go to the Battle of Bannockburn. Everybody say in Scottish, Bannockburn. And there's Robert the Bruce sitting up on a horse with his battle axe. And at the start of the battle with the British, one of the British knights saw him and he decided that he would take on this knight. The knight had a great lance on the big charger and he charged Robert the Bruce sitting on his horse with his battle axe. And the two, or they charged. And uh, Robert the Bruce leaned a bit to one side and brought the battle axe down on the knight's head. And it went through his helmet, through his skull, through his head and embedded halfway down his chest. The battle axe is a brutal weapon that smashes through armour and breaks through fortresses and busts through defence. And God is raising his church and taking it from a, a group of people that get pushed around to a people that are going to seize their cities for God. <laughs> going to break through in our cities. Going to smash our way through. I've nearly preached long enough. I think I've preached too long. God says in Isaiah 41 verse 15, Behold, I will make you the, a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth and you'll thresh mountains and you'll make the hills as chaff I'm closed with this weapons in the kingdom are not forged in cold churches they're not forged in churches that are lukewarm because if you're going to shape steel, it has to be red hot. Weapons are going to be forged in churches that are so hot with the power of God and so hot in prayer and so full of the fire of God and so pulsing that as the pastor who ever comes in and picks up the hammer and begins to bring the hammer down on the blade and begin to strike and the sparks fly instead of the steel being bruised, it gets shaped. It gets shaped. And here's a word from the Lord for you. I believe the Lord would say, I want to turn this place into a blacksmith shop where the heat of the Spirit of God is so great that weapons are shaped that will go from this place to the far corners of the earth under the end time power and anointing of the Holy Ghost. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.